What's going on, everyone? Randy and Fernando here. I'm Randy Strig. And I am Fernando Ceballos. So I'm kind of going to let Fernando kind of lead this topic because, uh, first of all, it's your idea. And uh, I think you have a great perspective. I'm going to chime in where I can. So I'll, I'll let you take it. Sweet. So today we're talking about being a first-generation American. And then I guess just talking about feeling lost on both sides of the border. So I have... Mexican um, heritage. Um, I'm Mexican American. And so what I mean by that is I am the first person in my family, like tree line, to be born in the United States. Um, my family all was born in Mexico. And I grew up in a border town in Texas called Brownsville. And 96, 97% of the population is hispanic and for the most part you feel like you're in mexico (laughs) but with better infrastructure Mm -hmm. so growing up in a border town like the idea was you know i was born in america and all my family was in mexico so when i was living in brownsville the idea of being american wasn't really like a huge culture shock or a big like aha Mm -hmm. because everybody around me was hispanic but the struggle that I always saw was when I would go back to the back to Mexico, you know, people would be like, oh, here comes the gringo mm. or here comes the guy who, you know, he thinks he's too good for us or mm. he speaks broken Spanish or whatever the case is. And so Spanish is my first language. Uh, English is a second language. But when I was going to, you know, Mexico as a kid, I would struggle with certain words. And then when I was in, in the U.S., I would struggle speaking English. Mm. And so I was never good at either language. And I was always like not good enough for America, not good enough for Mexico. Mm-hmm. And so like that was like the biggest dichotomy, like the biggest struggle of knowing where I belonged. Was I Mexican or was I an American? Mm-hmm. And so like that was a, the struggle. But the biggest like um, like wake up call was when I went to college. Mm-hmm. And going to school at A&M, like there's people from all over the world. Yeah. And there's people who don't necessarily um, appreciate having like people from other countries mm. be part of their system. Mm-hmm. Um, I guess you could call it racist. Yeah, that's a that's a word for that, it. That's a mm-hmm. word for it. And <laughs> that, like that was like the biggest like wow. There's people who genuinely don't like me mm-hmm. just because of the color of my skin, or just because of the you know where my pa- family come from. And uh, that was like a really big, like a decision that I had to make was what am I going to associate with myself? Mm -hmm. And, you know, people who come into America first generation and they don't land in a border town, Mm -hmm. they have to assimilate a lot quicker. Yeah. And for me, the assimilation didn't come until I was in college. Yeah. So you'd already built this, this kind of idea of how culture worked and that this was society until you, you, you went to college and you're like, oh, you know, I just spent 17, 18 years with this one perception and now it's just gone like that. Yeah, because everything that I was surrounded with was people who look like me are either poor or don't have an education. Mm-hmm. And the ones that do, like, they're just too above me, right, for me to interact with them. Mm-hmm. Um, I was lucky enough to have an uncle as an engineer. Mm-hmm. So, like, that was kind of the most most of the exposure that I got to people who were wealthy. Yep. Um, but, yeah, growing up, it was, like, a big struggle, but... Anyways, getting into into college, like people, like the first two years of college, 
I was involved in Hispanic and Latino organizations. Mm-hmm. But for the most part, I was more on the American side because mm-hmm. I am an American, right? Yeah. And so I was like, I'm not going to speak Spanish, even though I'm part of these organizations, because I don't want people to think that I'm low class mm. or whatever the case is. And so until, it wasn't until I was a junior that I said, like, no, like, this is who I am. And I should feel okay with speaking Spanish in public. Man, that's that's interesting to me just how quickly your perception changed twice in just in a three-year time span to go from like, oh, this is how I think culture and society is to being like, oh, I was completely wrong. There are people who hate me for who I am and I need to... So what it sounds like is that you felt like you had to change who you were until you were kind of like, no, it's it's not my problem. It's their problem that they have a problem with me. Yeah, because I had to own it. I had to own the fact of who I wanted to be and Mm -hmm. why it was okay for me to feel that way. And I think you've kind of um experience that that a little bit in, in your life as well right mm. and uh, maybe not necessarily from my ethnic background right but more from a from a um socioeconomic standpoint yeah what are your thoughts on that yeah i mean it's not quite apples to apples but i mean i've been in different situations different culture and societies um so like my dad was a truck driver and a drug dealer and my mom was a speech pathologist and so it's not like we were making you know bukus of money and you know i'm i'm at a point in my life at 24 years old where i make more money than they did combined and so like when i was growing up you know i saw my mom have utilities cut off all the time i had my phone cut off i had uh you know i saw my mom's car get repoed more than once and you know she was in bankruptcy when she ended up dying and you know ended up not having anything to give (laughs) when she did die and now you know in this career in this field you know, there are millionaires everywhere, um, even billionaires, <laughs> which is, is, is just the norm now. You know, you, I grew up on the weekends living in, and my stepmom will kill me uh, by saying this, but it was a trailer park. She prefers mobile home park, but it was a trailer park that I grew up on the weekends where my dad lived. And so seeing that, that difference between, you know, what are the people like at a trailer park versus what are these millionaires that live in Highland Park, Dallas like? And really, they're not different. It's just a perception of money and what they do for work. And that's, and not only that, but the perception of each other. So a lot of the poor people tend to look at the wealthy as just douches yeah. <laughs> and just terrible people. And then the wealthy look at the poor people like, oh, they just don't work hard. And neither are really true. It's it's a lot of what you are kind of brought up believing as being the biggest impact on your life yeah i think you know we're talking about the topic of feeling lost on both sides of the border Mm -hmm. and yeah like you know let's let's move away from the hispanic part for a little bit then we'll come back to it in a minute but you know again i grew up extremely poor right Mm -hmm. um well i grew up extremely poor to american standards Mm -hmm. because to the standards of poor in like Mexico, mm-hmm. I was rich, right? Growing up. Yeah. Um, and so what I'm, I guess what I'm trying to get at is feeling lost on both sides. Cause right now, you know, I'm making similar to you way more money <laughs> yeah. than what we grew up with. But when I'm having conversations with people of the people who I'm trying to associate myself with, mm-hmm. who happen to come from wealthy backgrounds, you mm-hmm. know, their family had money, whatever the case is. And I'm not saying that people are trying to flaunt the money, but the conversations that I'm having with them, it's extremely difficult for me sometimes 
to be able to relate. Yeah. Because, you know, they're talking about, well, oh, yeah, I'm going abroad because my, you know, my parents are helping me pay for this or helping yep. me pay for that. Yep. Or whatever the case is. Like, I sometimes feel bad because I have to make them feel like I have to make them realize that not everybody has those opportunities. Yeah. And so, like, I've had to, like, on a weekly, not a weekly basis, on a monthly basis, like, I'll send my mom money, right? Mm -hmm. Because I need to help her pay bills even now as an adult. Yeah. And people don't get that. Yeah. And so I feel lost because I want to be able to, I don't know, like, be on the same page with people and say, oh, yeah, I'm going on a trip too. But yeah, you want to relate. I'm not going on a trip. Yeah. Well, that, you know, I relate to your statement. Like, when I was in college, I took out a student loan specifically so my mom could pay some of her bankruptcy payments that she was behind on. And, you know, when you, you know, I've had conversations with people where we talk about growing up and they're like, yeah, you know, we took, you know, we would take a month long trip to Africa and spend it there. And I'm just like, you know, in my head, I'm like, no, oh, that sounds awesome. But I, I kind of take a different approach and, you know, I don't necessarily make it a point of like, oh, I could never do that growing up because we didn't have money. I'm just like, oh, you know, I'm, I'm really envious, envious of that. And I'd love to do that one day. You know, for me, I don't, you know, I don't, I don't try to bring them down, so to speak. I just try to look at it like you should, because I don't think anybody should be ashamed of where they grew up, whether you're rich or poor. Yeah. And I, and I try not to make, make a judgment call on them just because they grew up with something that I didn't get to have. Like, yeah, I'm, I'm a little jealous. I'd be lying if I said I wasn't, but at the same time, I have no reason to hate them or dislike them because of that. Yeah. I think I may have said it the wrong way. What I meant to say <laughs> was I don't tell them right. what I, I sometimes, not sometimes all the time I've had the experience where I share my background mm -hmm. and the person who grew up with something has two answers. One of them is like, Oh, that sucks. Yep. And they, they themselves like feel guilty for sharing that. Mm -hmm. And I feel bad because I was the one who kind of just killed the conversation Yeah. because I shared my quote unquote victim story or my struggle. Yeah. And they, feel like they have to feel bad yeah but i tell them i remind them like you don't have to feel bad like it's awesome yeah that you have these opportunities because i want my kids to have the conversation that you're having with me right now yeah so i get excited about that yeah couldn't agree more and the other side is like people say you know they um they have a conversation with me and i, and I bring this up and they just don't know how to relate yeah. And they just walk away, right? Yep. I've I've been in both of those situations and I have I have a third one I can add too, where, you know, I've I've I don't want to say who I'm not gonna say who, but I was having um a meeting with somebody who grew up affluent and when they learned about my background, it seemed to be like a little insecurity on their part because they look at it like, Oh, look at the things he's doing that and he didn't have the the resources that I had. And I felt it, it seemed just from the conversation at that point that they were trying to prove to me that they were worthy of all the things that they grew up with, which if, if you and I ever have a conversation, listener, you don't have to prove anything to me. I like I am indifferent to what you've accomplished. I care more about the person you are and less about the things you've done. Yeah, I couldn't agree more. Yeah, I think uh, I think we talked about this last conversation, last episode. Mm -hmm. I'm talking about ego and stuff. 
But yeah, like so many people try to prove that what they have is is worthwhile. Yeah. Um, but going back to like the whole feeling lost on both sides of the border, there's it's it's very difficult because like you feel like you have to exist in both worlds, mm-hmm. and I think you you necessarily have to. Um, mm-hmm. And I, and I may flip flop uh, in the conversation here, and I may you know have a different point of view a few years from now. But right now, I'm at a point where I'm picking a side. Yeah. And I'm moving on. Mm-hmm. And I'm not picking a side because I think this side is better than the other. Mm-hmm. I'm picking a side because I just need to pick a side. Sure. Because you're always going to feel like you're not good enough or you're always going to feel like you're not giving it your all if you try yeah. to do two things at once. Right. Right. Yeah. And, you know, picking... Picking a side is definitely, uh, you know, one one way to handle it. And for me, I don't know if I would say that I, I pick a side because I, I know that, you know, we have it built into us to try and belong and try to be part of, you know, one side or the other. Um, but I think that we live in, in, in a time where we're fortunate to have the option to not necessarily have to pick a side either if we don't want to. And so for me, I don't think I'd pick a side, but maybe I do. And so if I'm full of crap, please tell me. Um, But I think that picking a side really does have its benefits, though, because now it's like a lot of your decisions get made in that when you pick a side. So it's like if there's something I was uncertain about before, I can look at how I've aligned myself and make a decision based on that that alignment. Does that make sense? Yeah, and I think... So I guess I guess an example, um, financial, like financial status, right? Mm-hmm. Picking it. Okay, we'll give you two options. Uh, picking a side is rich or poor, mm. and what I mean by that is, you can pick a side, and I'm going to decide I'm going to be rich. Yeah. But I'm not going to forget that I grew up poor. Yeah. And I'm not going to make people who are poor feel less than because I picked the rich side. Right. And usually you have certain characteristics or traits that are associated, maybe stereotypes are associated with being rich or being poor. Mm -hmm. And I decide to stereotype myself or to, to allow the stereotypes of the rich side be associated with me. Yeah. And then I will do whatever I need to do to break those stereotypes in the future. Yeah. But if I can, if I decide to be poor, and play victim and say like you know life is unfair and all mm-hmm. yada, yada 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 like i'm not going to be successful picking that side right right but if you do want to be poor and you want to have a you know a good salary but decide to be poor then you're going to um like live the life that you're designed to live on a poor budget maybe yeah. that's something maybe you buy a house that you like a house that you buy a house that you don't necessarily um, have to buy because you want to downgrade uh-huh. so far down the line. Yeah. Does that make sense? Yeah. You you buy well below your means just because you don't feel the, the need to show off, yeah. I think is what you're getting at. Yeah. And I'm probably doing a really bad job of trying to explain <laughs> the point, but, you know, like being Hispanic or being American, right? Yeah. Um, or being Latino, whatever the case is. But, like, I'm deciding to associate myself with my Hispanic ethnicity Mm -hmm. and like that be my culture. Yeah. As an American. Okay. Yeah. I'm, I get that. 
right? And and I'm not saying like, oh, I'm not going to, like I'm proud to be an American. Like I am an American first. Mm-hmm. But when I associate myself with my background, I'm not going to just toss away all of my traditions of being Mexican. Yeah. Does that make sense? No, totally. And I would say for me, I've kind of, I've kind of done the opposite. Like, cause I, I'm not proud of the, the culture that I was raised in. And just because, you know, my mom was poor with money. My dad had a lot of issues with alcohol and drugs. And I've chosen to not have those influences be a deciding factor in my life. And like, you know, they're my parents, so I, I, I love them, but, um, you know, they're not here to tell me to influence me anymore. And for me, I think that's been a big gift because I've realized that I don't want to live like them. I don't like how they lived and I want to do something different, something that, that I enjoy doing. So, yeah. And so as we're talking about this, you know, you're the first, like we're talking about like being first, right. Mm -hmm. Um, talking about first generation American, I mean, being first generation college, first generation, um, on this side of the border, Mm -hmm. like there's things that you have to realize that when you're the first, there's so much sacrifice that you have to go through. Yeah. Um, is there anything that comes to mind when you think about sacrifices of that are associated with being the first? Yeah. I mean, I, I, I've, I had a lot of different perspectives and maybe it's not something a lot of people would consider a sacrifice, but I sacrificed a lot of my worldviews to be the person I am. And I had to shed this, this perception I had that, you know, you know, capitalism is the end of the world. Like it has its, it has its ups and downs and it's, and it's pros and cons, but you know, we live in, we're the, one of the most fortunate generations to ever exist. And I think people don't really have sight of that, uh, maybe because they feel trapped in some socioeconomic, you know, uh, vicious cycle. But the only way to get out of it is if you sacrifice that view you have of the world and maybe try to take on something else and adopt something else. And so like for me, I don't really talk to the blood relatives I have, I have left. Um, I, I kind of keep up with an aunt and then I kind of talk to my stepmom occasionally, but outside of that, I don't talk to any blood relatives, nor do I really care to, you know, I, I like them, but, uh, I don't share their views on the world. And like, why, why would I, why would I try to make something work that doesn't work? Yeah. Yeah. It's, that's definitely something that I, I don't, well, I guess I can kind of relate to that. Um, Cause like I have, I have siblings from my, from like my dad's side. Um, they're not like different mom type deal. Mm-hmm. And, uh, like there's been sacrifices that I've had to make when I made the move to Dallas. Right? Yeah. I, some of my, my best friends are in Houston mm-hmm. and there's just things that I had to give up. But from a first generation standpoint, like there's, there's things that I've committed my life to wanting to do. Uh, was like generational wealth mm-hmm. and there's things that I wish I could do that other friends are doing because they're second generation, third generation. Yeah. And there's going to be a certain level of sacrifice that I have to commit to if I want to create that generational wealth. Yeah. I it, mean, we can't, you and I can't go on as many vacations as some of our friends. Maybe we can't afford it. We can't ask the time off, whatever it is, 
you know, we have to, we have to work differently just because of the backgrounds that, that you and I have, but it's not necessarily a bad thing or, or, or woe is me for, for not having a silver spoon in my mouth when I was born. Like, who cares? This is the life you've got. May as well try and live it to the best you can. And so oftentimes I've fallen into the bad habit or like victim mentality of feeling like Like, I don't deserve certain things. Mm, mm-hmm. As in, like, what, like, boohoo. Like, why is it that I don't get to, you know, go on these trips? Yeah. Or why is it that I have to be the one who has to be first? Mm-hmm. Right? Why do I have to be the one sacrificing? You know, why can't my kids worry about this? Yeah. Type deal. Yeah. And I think, like, that's, it's a good space again sometimes. Because it gives you perspective on the importance of why you are committing yourself yeah. to making those sacrifices. And it's it's good to know that, I don't know, it's a good reminder to help yourself remember like why you've committed yourself to being okay with being first. Because you talk about the sacrifices and you mentioned the vacations, mm-hmm. you mentioned like the trips. And at the end of the day, like all of these things are going to be like worth it in the end. Yeah. Or at least we're going to hope that they're worth it in the end. Yeah. Well, and, and to go beyond that, you know, people, people look at the ends justifying whatever means they have to do. So in that sense of, you know, is it worth it in the end? And for me, the kind of mentality I've tried to adopt is, you know, I don't want to get to be, I don't want to work you know, 16 hour days, seven days a week to turn, to get to 50 and be some ultra wealthy guy and be like, wow, I wish I had lived, you know, in that 20 year time span. And so there's definitely kind of a balance you have to, you have to take like, yeah, you know, you're not in in acceptance in the fact that, yeah, I'm not going to have the things that some other people have and that's okay. Is, but am you know because I don't need those things to be happy I don't need things I don't need um, you know another vacation to be happy I'd like another vacation to relax and have fun but for me as long as I'm taking joy and being grateful for things um, just from everyday life then then it makes my life a lot more meaningful yeah and also you know going back to the whole Hispanic thing um, I think with social media and with the way the media is putting certain things in the news, mm-hmm. I feel like it keeps throwing these like hot topics and like these uh, these like terms mm-hmm. in people's faces to where they quote unquote try to force people to become ambassadors of something that they really don't associate themselves with. Yeah. And you know, being first generation for me, like I don't need people feeling sorry for like my background. And I don't feel, I don't want people like feeling sorry for the fact that, you know, I grew up poor or Mm -hmm. I'm the first in my family here. And then I'm having to make all these sacrifices. Like that's a decision that I'm choosing to take. And, you know, the topic of this is feeling lost on both sides and I think there's an importance, and I think we talked about this about a little bit, but the reason I pick a side is because I'm tired of feeling lost on both sides. Mm-hmm. 
I want to find myself on one side. Yeah, you and want, then you want one, your tribe. And once I'm able to find myself on that one side, then maybe I can come to the other side with purpose and find myself on the other side. Mm-hmm. But if I keep trying to find myself on the both sides at the same time, I'm always going to be lost. But the, the question I want to ask you is, like, do you ever feel that, like, specifically on the Hispanic side or, like, the first-generation side, does, is that ever, like, thrown at you as in, like, you have to support people? No, I, I can't say that I, I have. Um, for me, it's kind of just like, I honestly, I, I feel my biggest expectation of me from other people is like to continue the momentum I've built. And for me, that, that weighs pretty heavily. And I, I don't like, I don't like having that expectation put on me. I just want to, I just want to be me, man. You know, I just want to, you know, if I, if I only have enough energy to work an an eight hour day, then I don't want to have that expectation of, well, you've already done this much. Why can't you just work another 12 hour day? Like, I don't like having that expectation. And I know it's a little different than what the question you asked, but that's kind of where my mind went when you, when you asked it, just cause I don't, I don't, I don't feel the need to support anybody, um, other than myself and, and support my friends emotionally when I can. And, and, you know, I've, I've supported friends financially, but, and I would do it again in a heartbeat, but I don't ever feel obligated to, I do it because I want to. Yeah, that makes sense. Cool. Well, this, this topic was one that we wanted to kind of share as far as the perspective goes on being first and being first generation, mm-hmm. I know we start off the conversation as, you know, just my experience on growing up in the border and what it feels like to be an American, but not really because like, I feel like I'm not good enough as an American. I'm not, I feel like I'm not good enough as a Mexican. And at the end of the day, I'm kind of stuck in between both worlds, but Luckily, I've been able to associate myself with people who have given me reassurance that I'm good with being okay on both, but I can commit to one and just find purpose in that. Um, But then we took the conversation as far as, you know, being growing up financially, like poor versus rich and what that looks like on feeling like you're on the middle of a fence where you have a poor mentality but do you have a rich lifestyle with the people that are you're associating you're associating yourself with, mm-hmm. and like how you feel like you're not good enough for either side, but feeling comfortable on both sides. Yeah. Um. But I think uh, I want to just you know kind of give you a chance to have any final thoughts on people who may be feeling like they're stuck in the middle of something, whether that be depression and happiness, or that be anxiety and like fulfillment i don't know what else the other words we use yeah um like what are your thoughts on that my thoughts on that are you are not your depression and you are not your anxiety you are you are you and that's a weird concept to grasp but when you identify yourself with depression or anxiety or something like that you know it's like i am depressed it's like no you feel depressed but you are not depressed you are still you know i'm still john or jane smith and maybe you feel a little blue that day, but the more you identify yourself with like a side, so to speak, of depression or joy, the harder it is to get out of whatever cycle you're in. And so, you know, you said you you mean you don't feel comfortable as a Mexican or an American, or that you're not worth it, worth it, or good enough for it. 
but I will tell you, you are good enough as a Fernando and you're the best Fernando Ceballos ever. So, you know, always bear that in mind. Like take everything you just said. Mm -hmm. And I would remind people that your labels don't define you. Yeah. You could be depressed. You can be first generation. You can be this or that, but you don't have to be defined by whatever label you're trying to put yourself on yeah or whatever label people are putting putting on you yep so again guys thank you all for jumping in episode number four of the podcast um, we're looking for more topics we have a long list of things that we want to talk about but we definitely want to know what your thoughts are on this podcast and what are some of the things that you're hoping to listen um on in, in listen on with our conversations yep sounds good we'll see y'all next time